0: All right. Welcome back. Ranch Nation hanging out with you guys from the East Valley Institute of Technology with my wonderful, lovely co-host, Susie Sockets.
1: Yes, Frank. How are you, buddy? We miss
0: our audience. Uh, You guys uh, come by every week on Wednesday. And of course, our weekend warriors listening to KFNX, 90.7 Neon, and of course, 88.7 The Pulse. You guys rock. I say we listen to a little bit of The Trumpets. Right on your automotive mechanical vibe tribe, where you guys can uh, catch all kinds of shows on wrenchnation.tv. Uh, of course, last week we talked about emerging vehicle technologies. YouTube, Scotty Kilmore, Formula Drift, Matt Hogan. Uh, we also dived into some of the pinup art and style. There's a topic for all of you. Uh, check out wrenchnation.tv. But for now, we welcome you back, Wrench Nation. for all of you coming out of California, North Dakota, Florida. I got to tell you we've got some drama uh Phoenix uh, area. Uh, you know, they said it's going to rain for like 12 days. I actually went on bought a an umbrella. Susie you an umbrella?
1: <laughs> you did not. I
0: did. did you? And what do we got? We got like little piddly diddly, partially <laughs> uh, partially cloudy, partially sunny.
1: We got a very very light This is what on. happens
0: in Arizona. But uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us and every week of course uh, Susie It's always an honor to have you and hang out. This is our therapy, and we hope you, uh, listening on the podcast, you know we upload that on Sunday, are hanging out with us. Just know I say this up front, people. We're family. If you have a rock star automotive technician or mechanic out there, I don't care if the guy's up in northern Canada with a town of five people. If he's a talented wrench, we have a mic available always uh, for you, and uh, we always love to hear from you. You can get on wrenchnation.tv, Get into the comments or contact us here locally if you're in the neighborhood, Chandler and Dobson, uh, Desert Car Care. Uh, all that contact
1: information is online. Did you just say a town of five people?
0: There are mechanics working for a town <laughs> of five people. It happens. It's a reality. Everybody knows everybody. And he probably works on 2.2 cars a year, maybe, and a few sleighs and, and that sort of thing. But, no, I meant it. I oh, meant maybe. it real. Uh, we have a tendency, those of us in populated areas. Uh, areas of the country. We forget about our people that come from small-town America. (laughs) We do. All right, speaking of small-town America, I know that you guys uh, have a tendency to try and take on and tackle some of your own car repair. I respect that. Yep. You call us sometimes when you get into trouble. (laughs) And that's okay. We'll walk you through it. That's what it's about. We want to see everybody's success. Well, I figured today we talk about those auto parts that you're installing, and how to avoid the common install errors. Okay. Susie, so, have you had a recent opportunity to install something, anything, wrong?
1: Have I had an opportunity to, to install something? Hmm. Were you
0: guys replacing a toilet recently?
1: Well, I hate to say this, but I, I did put some batteries in a little laser pen last night. And it still wouldn't work. And yeah, I've had the batteries in backwards. So that's an installer. That's right. an installer.
0: All of us can agree. We don't sometimes know why. I mean, I, I guess we can say fair game. Lack of uh, knowledge sometimes. That's fair.
1: I thought I'd put the batteries back the same way I pulled them out.
0: That's why I tell my wife, don't, I'm not doing the roof, man. <laughs> Call somebody because I don't have the knowledge to install the roof tiles. I'm just knowing my limits. Some of you want to do your own alternator. Some of you may want to do your own starter. And on today's show, we're going to cover as much as we can with a very special guest, a man from the industry, and we love our industry peeps. Nelson Davis is an ASE certified master technician with an L1 advanced drivability certification. That's kicking it up notches. That's speaking the language of today's cars, right? He's also director of training and technical instructor. I love our instructors because they're passionate about Educating folks. Uh, He's the field rep for Motor Car Parts of America. Uh, I invite you guys to get on to uh, motorcarpartsofamerica.com because they do have some great install videos. No longer can you get away. You bought the part and it has a little one-sheet instruction. And three-quarters of it is written in Russian, and 20% of it is written in broken English, maybe. I don't know. But uh, MPA, uh, we're going to talk to Nelson Davis more about that. Uh, They're leading the way uh, with their uh, Part Smart educational program. So I want you guys to hang in there. We are going to cover electrical, hydraulic vehicle system parts, alternators, starters, brake systems, turbochargers. We're going to keep it fast and furious. And if you miss it, get to the podcast and press replay. We're going to try to do the justice of having you install that part right the first time.
1: You said Fast and the Furious.
0: I love Fast and Furious. You know, I Furious. watched
1: every single episode when I was down for those couple weeks.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing
1: to watch Everyone. when you got COVID. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so and now you know all about it. I do. Yes, yeah, because we missed uh, last year was canceled. We were going to be uh, at the... Fuel Fest. Too. Fuel Fest. Yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious Uh uh, tribute, yeah. uh,
1: Cody Wa- uh, Cody Walker, who yeah. Paul Walker's brother,
0: right, right. So we're hoping uh, we're hoping some of that picks up. Look, my prediction: this is just a simple, lowly, small town car talk show. But I'm going to make a grand prediction. Are you ready? Yep. Save the firecrackers, save the fireworks. End of year, we will be celebrating. Prince is going to come out of his grave and say, <laughs> "What is going on?" Listen, there's many of you right now pent up. You went outside and had a couple of apple juice, and you were happy and excited. No, we're talking about seeing people again soon.
1: Yes, yes. Can't
0: you wait, Susie?
1: But yeah, I, I can't wait, but Frank, I'm going to have to say this. I don't think anybody in my neighborhood has a single firecracker left. I think...
0: Everybody I, blew it up. I
1: blew it up well, and still I, I blowing saved, them up. I
0: saved something. All right, well, speaking of blowing up, you guys are driving around, and your car's making noises. It happens. We get... Gosh, we get, what, 20 a week?
1: A lot. We get a lot of the... My car's making noises. Well, what kind of noise, Frank? <laughs> well,
0: that's what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to try <laughs> to explain. And and I got to say, this is official. If you said, no, nah, you guys are getting ready to make up noises. No. No. This is the actual Honda service bulletin instruction for Honda technicians. When they call that hotline and maybe speak to an engineer, this is their tech line database of describing that noise when calling the tech line. You must follow this protocol. Are you ready? Susie, start with the first one.
1: All right. So the first one I'm going to start with is...
0: What is that? It sounds hissing. A leaky. It it's hits. a hissing. Hissing. So uh-huh.
1: hissing could mean what? Do you want me to tell you what it
0: means? I mean, I'm an engineer and I'm listening to you and, I, and I'm going to say, who hired you? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a tire losing that air? That could be a tire leak, yeah. Yeah, it's air leaking. It's air! Air, air. Bonging is a noise <laughs> that's described. There is a noise. So if you go into your mechanic and you say, my car is bonging, that's a description of something like the old, uh, what's the Chuck guy in the old bong show? a what? large A large gong. Oh, the gong show. Now, the gongs are not really popular under hood.
1: I don't hear a lot of gongs. Wait, are you telling me my car sounds like a gong? It could, you could have a gong situation. What is a gong situation? Gong
0: is a large, so that gong is a bonging noise. Bonging noise. If you hear a gong, it's what? like hitting a cymbal. What? Like what? All right, let's move on. Many of you have a clapping noise. That's a pretty simple.
1: That's pretty simple.
0: Sounds like it's clapping.
1: What about a jingling noise? Jingling, like mm-hmm. change
0: in your pocket.
1: You know what? Like loose coins in your pocket, yeah.
0: Yeah, so what could that be? Well, that could be loose coin in the trunk. I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, there are noises that describe a bunch of things uh, droning, crunching, croaking, creaking, crackling, cracking, clunking, clinking.
1: Right. Grinding, right. Howling, knocking, moaning, oil canning, pattering, pinging, pounding. Yeah. Rumbling,
0: whining, whistling, zapping. So next time you visit your mechanic, now listen, this is official, people. We don't mess around on Wrench Nation. This is a service news bulletin. official guy the official guy. If you are a technician and you have the, the symptom was brought in your bay, uh, engine has noise, unable to describe, and you hear it. And it says, "banging." Well, that's described by the engineers, not as a distant thunder, but as slamming a wooden screen door.:
1: And isn't this perfect for our team meeting tonight, Frank? Yes, we have a We're team We're going to go meeting. over this.
0: Because noise is, hey, listen, seriously, guys, I will tell you that. It is critical. Now, the, the best way to do this, and we mentioned this on the show, guys, be safe. Do not pull out your phone and record anything while you're driving. Have the passenger do that. But the best way to do this is catch that culprit in the act. That's right. And then you can, because the noises, let me tell you, can be the most consuming of a technician's time, if it's not described or, you know, we're chasing, we're chasing, we're chasing this noise. And then you may say something to the effect of, well, you guys couldn't fix my car. Well, we we couldn't reproduce the noise. <laughs> now, we'll have you know, there are some listening devices. We have quite a few of them. And the technology there uh, has, you can actually get with a graphing scope and watch a pattern of a noise on a scope and thereby then compare it to a known good so hub bearing sounds like this looks like this on right. a graphing pattern right and you compare that
1: that's excellent it's very excellent
0: it's very excellent we have the
1: tools yes we do what's
0: in the weird news man what's shaking
1: well okay frank so if you never give up dreams do come true would you agree
0: yeah, last year a lot of you may have, but this is a brand new year. Don't That's worry. That's
1: right. Fulfilling your childhood dream is probably one of the biggest missions in our lives. I was confused
0: as a kid. I had way too many dreams that were bad. <laughs> I would, yeah.
1: Was, was auto mechanic one of them? No. No.
0: That just fell on my life. Yeah, That's go, another story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Drew Binsky, a YouTuber, actually has a new 11-minute clip out there that tells a story of a kid or a guy from Accra, Ghana. Accra what? Accra, Ghana. What is this kind Ghana, of stuff? Ghana, like uh, Ghana. Oh, Accra. Accra, Ghana. Yep, so that's, Ghana. Yeah, Ghana.
0: The city the village city? of Accra in yes. Ghana. Yeah. I love Ghana.
1: Name Kelvin. Kelvin, all okay. right. Now, here's the thing. Can you build a car for $200?
0: Some of you listening probably have attempted that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I guess anything's possible.
1: Well, does that count as uh, a dream? dream come true?
0: So somebody said, I want to build a car and he had $200 and that was his dream to build a car for now. Wait a minute. From What are you talking about? From scratch. You
1: are the smartest man on earth.
0: Is that what he said? Because
1: that's exactly what he did. He oh, built this out scrap this... metal.
0: Oh, scrap metal. Scrap metal. So he he did the rounds like junkyard scrap metal.
1: Well, from A to Z, he actually basically, it took him about three years to build. He started with pipe construction Used as a base, then added suspension All right. using motorcycle components. The body was made from old container panels. Um, power is provided by a motorcycle engine.
0: Just the ingenuity to say I, I got $200. Now. Because back in the day, what we had was an erector set. And that's what <laughs> we had to work with. And we couldn't build much out of that. No, we We, we built little stuff we played in our house exactly. with. Exactly. He built a car.
1: Yeah, and he even it's, it even has a working audio system inside of it.
0: So he's got he's got music he's got yes, tunes. Yes,
1: he does.
0: Now listen, in Ghana you can get away with that. I don't know. That would not be EPA situation. <laughs> it wouldn't be.
1: That would be more street legal here. I
0: don't know, but that's his dream.
1: It is his dream, and he has fulfilled it. And you know, if he can do that, he can do. Oh my gosh, anything.
0: we put a lot of people out of business if we built $200 cars. How many would you agree? That's ingenious. This country would look different. Imagine <laughs> if you saw a bunch of $200 cars running down the street.
1: That's right.
0: I mean, you can't even, I don't think, build a go-kart for 200 bucks.
1: I don't think so either, but this is pretty ingenious. It man. is.
0: Praise the people of Ghana. you rock rocking all of your dreams. If you have a dream, don't give up. I want you guys to stay tuned. Man, we're going to dive into some of the common Common install eras. We're honored to have Nelson Davis, ASC certified Master Tech L1, baby, director of training for Motor Car Parts of America. Stay tuned, Ranch Nation.
1: I studied evil, I can't deny it. What a voodoo charm, called it, love me or die. Some fingernail, a piece of her dress, a pocket there, devil meeting.
0: Funding for Ranch Nation Car Talk brought to you by Parts Authority Auto Parts. Founded in 1972, a leading national distributor of automotive replacement parts, tools, equipment, and transmissions. For a location near you, visit partsauthority.com. I want my mileage back.
2: Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. Funding
0: for Wrench Nation Car Talk brought to you by Anytime Auto Glass, a family-owned, full-service windshield replacement and repair company with a focus on hard work, integrity and providing a no-hassle professional service for their windshield and vehicle tint clients. Anytime AutoglassAZ.com or call 480-430-4597. Anytime Autoglass. Bolt-On Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text. Real-time digital reports multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Right on. Welcome back. Wrench Nation. Get on to wrenchnation.tv. You can hang on the website or catch the podcast if you're in and out uh, today's uh, show. One of the things that can happen, and look, we see it in the garage. We can see. Now, we can't have too much of it because we'd be out of business. But once in a while, we have an install error. We didn't install a part properly. We're modest. We're humble. Some of you can experience the same. And that football game that you were going to watch at 1 o'clock just went wry because, like, cars all tore apart and that alternator didn't fit. <laughs> well, to help us navigate some of the most common installation errors of some of those auto parts that you're uh, installing, we have Nelson Davis, uh, ASC Certified Master Tech, Uh, Director of Training, Technical Instructor uh, for Motor Car Parts of America. Welcome, Nelson.
2: Uh, Thank you, Frank. Thanks for having us on.
0: Yeah, and uh, kudos to you. Um, We we always give props up to anyone that's uh, attained that ASE, uh, Automotive Service Excellence, Master Technician, L1 Certified. How long have you been a master? Probably close to 30 years. This, see, excellent. we're bowing. We're bowing yeah, we're to bowing. you right now. We're bowing you. <laughs> uh, we have two masters in the garage. And, and just for you guys, you know, tuning in on that, like, you hear master and it's like, oh, that sounds highfalutin. Yeah. No, this is someone that's really earned uh, through experience, tr- training, each certification of a system under the vehicle. So brakes, AC. So we want to acknowledge that. And uh, Nelson, what are we getting wrong? If we were to snapshot America right now, and if it's fair to ask, what is the one part that most folks are just not getting right by way of install? We're going to cover more systems, but is there a Is it a battery? Is it an alternator? Is it a starter?
1: And he what can are, only pick one. Nelson can only well, pick one part.
0: We're going to box him in. How about the highest level? What are <laughs> the engineers seeing at NPA that say, "Wow, this car, this part was returned, but it wasn't failing on its own"? Could yeah. I ask that? Is that a maybe?
2: Well, I don't know if it's one part in particular. <laughs> that's that's kinda tough to pick out. But I would say that if there's one area or one one category that's sort of all encompassing, it would have to do with anything that's electronics related. Ele-
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, I know that's kind of a broad answer because there's so many things on cars these days that are that are controlled electronically or, or involve electronics, but That tends to cause people more problems than anything, whether it's electronics in the engine management system or with an alternator or with a starter or even with a brake or a transmission, brake system or transmission system. Uh, Anything that involves electronics tends to create a lot of problems for people.
0: What can folks watch out for? I I know that we went from years ago, most uh, parts were pretty much, especially electrical, Uh, the electronics and the processing of a vehicle were plug and play but uh, not as of recent, at least the last 10, 15, maybe even going back longer. If I were to install, let's say, an alternator that had some sort of com- computer command control function, whether you know we're talking ground or whatnot, are there any particulars that someone should watch out for when installing an alternator? Is there something extra by way of the steps they have to take to ensure that that is properly being recognized by all systems on the vehicle?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things on, uh, on alternators to, to be aware of and to watch out for. Uh, I would say the number one thing is paying careful attention to the battery itself, okay? So you can have different scenarios or different situations, but when an alternator in a car fails, and it legitimately fails, it might have been the original alternator on the car, and it had 150,000 miles on it, let's say. So it just it finally quit and wore out. You know, the brushes wore out and quit charging. When that happens... Obviously, you know if the customer drives it for a while before they get a chance to bring it into a shop and get it repaired, or if they, even if they attempt to repair it themselves, they may drive that car for a day or so. And what happens is the battery, of course, gets gets severely discharged because the alternator is not charging it anymore. Right. Right. So they get a new alternator. They put it on the car. It needs one, but now they're attempting to recharge that discharged battery with a brand new alternator. Yeah. And that puts a severe strain on that alternator, causes it to overheat, and really causes it to fail prematurely. So two or three days later, a week later, you know, the, the new alternator that they installed has now failed also. Mm. And obviously they're quick to point the finger at the alternator saying it's defective, and they're going to return it, and it's under warranty, it's covered. So they get another one. But the real issue is they didn't take the time to, to properly charge that battery first. It was discharged because they drove it. You know, even for a brief period of time, uh, with a failed alternator.
0: Right. Let's talk specifications. Um, I'm, I'm changing an alternator. Where does my battery need to be so I don't fry that new alternator?
2: Well, like ideally, ch- it should be at 12.6 volts. That indicates the battery is pretty close to 100 percent state of charge. If it's at 12.6 volts, uh, anything anything less than 12.45 volts, you know, if we're just measuring across that that battery with a multimeter. Anything less than that tells you right off the bat that battery needs to be recharged.
0: Right. You know, we see this often in the garage, Susie, where we installed the battery uh, a year ago. Of course, we did a whole full-on starting charging system mm-hmm. test. Everything was fine except the battery. Battery failed, low test, we replaced the battery. year later, car comes in. I need another battery. I need to warranty it. It's like, okay, well, let's take a look. And, and sometimes um, that can be a difficult conversation to have someone Parts are covered if they fail on their own. That's a hard one. Right. Um, Nelson, we we see this in the garage like that, and, and we want to protect our relationship. But when they came back in a year later, okay, yeah, the battery's dead. It's not on a warranty. The alternator fried it. Now, we'll do some things in the shop to keep the peace and do our sure. best to warranty it out. But you speak on a point that's so critical because folks can kind of go back and forth doing that alternator battery dance if they don't get it right up front.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, the other, the other scenario or the other situation that could occur, of course, is that perhaps the battery was a problem to begin with. Also, perhaps it had a dead cell or a weak cell and that took the alternator out. So again, the car comes into a shop or it's a do-it-yourselfer and they, they, they know it needs an alternator. So they put the alternator on there. And again, it's, You know, two or three days later, two or three weeks later, something like that, that brand-new alternator has failed. Well, what caused it to fail and probably what caused the first alternator to fail, the original alternator to fail in the first place, was the fact that the battery had a dead cell or a weak cell. And, again, the alternator was overworking itself to try and compensate for that that weak or dead cell in that battery. Overheated and, you know, again, failed. And because nobody took the time to properly test or charge that battery... uh, Uh, that's really what's causing these repeated alternator failures on these vehicles.
0: Yeah, we've seen our our fair share in the garage. One thing I want to speak on as well, uh, Susie, we also see an alternator's installed. Somebody's installed their alternator, and they were really good. They put a new battery. And then they're three months later coming in, and their alternator is not charging. There's a wiring issue. Well, the whole time, their engine mounts are shot, and that engine is doing the Macarena. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. lifting up. Uh, speak to us, how uh, critical is it to make sure that that engine, that that whole assembly is sitting in its cradle properly with no movement, excessive movement, because that's going to pull wiring harnesses, yeah?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It can cause a, a lot of strain uh, on the wiring harness, just like you said. It can cause connections to uh, become loose. Um uh, you know, it can affect the tension even of the belt on the car. Um, there are all kinds of things that can happen because of loose or worn motor mounts uh, that can affect the starting or charging system on a vehicle, or the battery itself too, for that matter.
0: Yeah,
1: you so mentioned the opposite of of the alternator not working. What would cause the alternator to overcharge?
0: Overcharge? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, um, let's talk about what is the with engine running. What is the specification for that battery? Charge-wise, from a known good alternator, what's the voltage? What should that be?
2: Well, that really varies. It depends on the vehicle manufacturer. You know, each vehicle manufacturer has specifications for their charging system voltage uh, range, and it's typically a little bit of a range too. Okay, there's a you know a low end or a high end um, for all cars, and it's uh, it's fairly similar uh, among all vehicles, but it does vary somewhat between vehicle manufacturers. So it's always critical or always important uh, to check the vehicle manufacturer's specifications for charging system voltage uh, on a particular vehicle to make sure that, you know, you're testing it correctly.
0: Yeah. Um, would you say, I mean, I, and I will hold you to this, and we do in the garage, every car is different, but a range would be 13.8 to 14.2, 13.8 volts to 14.2 volts.
2: Maybe. Well is actually that... on some on some... some modern cars it can go a little bit lower than that and even a little bit higher than that in some cases. Gotcha. Yeah, and it really it really does depend on the vehicle. You know, older vehicles, yeah, maybe the range was a little narrower than it is on more modern vehicles. Um, but, yeah, when you get into modern vehicles, it could be a little lower than that and a little higher than, than the fourteen one or 14.2 you mentioned on the high end.
0: Yeah, check those specifications. Uh, Susie had mentioned, what, what, what's the story now with the, with an alternator that's overcharging? Perhaps it's sulfating a battery, battery's bloating, you get acid all over the place. Uh, what's happening there with an alternator that's overcharging?
2: Well, that could certainly be a problem with the alternator itself, okay? You know, whether it's internally regulated or externally regulated, there could be a problem with the alternator. Uh, there could also be a problem in the wiring, as you mentioned, you know, a circuit problem of some sort, which will then cause the alternator to overcharge.
0: Makes sense, yeah. So it's critical. Check your specifications. Make sure those motor mounts, if you guys are putting those alternators in or anything in your engine having to do with, uh, well, wiring and hydraulic lines, uh, we have a tendency to forget about the motor mounts. Some of you I are would, driving around yeah. and like, oh, it's. I've heard that clunk for a year. It's not affecting. And boy, that's that could be a disastrous uh, car repair bill for you.
1: Yeah, because you don't think engine mounts even close to electrical issues.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's something they check really uh, mm-hmm. in this sort of quick lane drive-through lube shops. You know, <laughs> uh, most good garages are going to give you a report on those engine mounts. Uh, I want you guys to grab a pen if you're not driving. I want you to take this number, uh, MPA, Motor Car Parts of com. that website. There's great videos that you can uh, catch, as well as a tech support center, 1 800 228 9672. You're not alone. You know, if you need help, and that's one of the things we buy a ton of MPA product, And the fact is, MPA gives us that support, and that's what you guys want. Because you're going to run into some snags, and so uh, that is uh, critical. I want you to stay tuned, guys. Uh, Nelson, we're going to have you come back in for segment three. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the hydraulics, uh, perhaps brake master cylinder, maybe a little bench bleeding process, uh, as well as uh, brake pads. Everyone has a certain flavor of brake pad. Where are we getting that wrong? By the way of installation, and squeeze
2: stay tuned wrench nation
0: support for wrench nation car talk the smart choice for auto parts pronto national association pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com Automotive technical training parts lineup and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com Vision Collision. God forbid you get into an accident or you get a little bumper, fender, bender, slide, or even if you've got that shopping cart that ends up scratching the side of your newer ride. My friends at Vision Collision, they're certified. They deal with insurance companies, but also what I really like is they were able to deal with my situation. I didn't want to exercise my insurance and I paid out of pocket and they gave me a very fair price with quality work. So for any complete auto body paint and repair, you want that small business, the heart of business that treats you one-on-one vision collision 480-248-9049 vision collision.com when you're thinking about body shop or collision work paint repair dent repairs collision wheel restoration vision collision is the way to go tell them frank at Ranch nation sent you 480-248-9049 480-248-9049 vision collision Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Get on to wrenchnation.tv. Catch your favorite show.
1: Girl, you think you got
0: it we're honored to have uh, MotorcarParts.com, one of the world's largest uh, part, automotive part manufacturers uh, in the world. They are not only strong force here in the United States, but across the globe. And we're honored to have Nelson Davis, AAC Certified Master Tech. Welcome back. Thank you. All yeah, right. Welcome back.
1: Yay, Nelson's there. Woo. Nelson's there. Hey, Nelson. We're trying to
0: get people excited about car parts. Nelson. <laughs> Glad to be here. Uh we covered alternators. Now I, I figured we'd go right into brake. I mean, there's several obviously parts under hood, but one of the more common uh problems that we can see in the in the garage is where somebody has done their own brakes and they're just squeaking away. Let's talk about the brake pads and in, in trying to keep it somewhat organized here, talk to us about the composition. Um, we can throw out ceramic, semi metallic, and organic. So let's talk about ceramic. What are what ceramic brake pads doing that perhaps semi metallic pads are not doing? What are they good for?
2: Well, they tend to be less noisy, number one, okay? You, you know, because there is no real heavy metallic. Content in a ceramic pad compared to a semi metallic pad, obviously, uh, that tends to make them a little quieter. Uh, Also, um, the thing about ceramic pads is they tend to not leave a lot of dust and dirt and debris on people's wheels, right? A lot of people have, you know, custom wheels, fancy wheels, nice wheels on their car, and, uh, you know, they want to keep those things clean. They don't want to see brake dust and debris all over their wheels. So ceramic pads tend to um, prevent that from occurring. Uh, You know, they're much cleaner compared to, again, compared to semi-metallic pads.
0: Right. Now, I mentioned organic. I mean, I haven't seen organics in, what, I don't know, 20 <laughs> years, but I guess there was a time where there was an organic pad, which was just a basic pad. Uh, we probably shouldn't even talk about Man, that, because I don't think anybody's putting organic yeah. pads on. But just know, I guess they still could exist, organic pads, and that was without all of the, can we call it, additives to the composition?
2: Yeah, there, there are still um, what are called non- asbestos organic pads okay ah. so in, in the past years ago like you said the uh, pads were or, or were organic but they contained a lot of asbestos so you know that was that was pretty much uh, that that's pretty much disappeared uh, so we still do have uh organic non-asbestos organic pads that can be um manufactured out of all kinds of different materials and compounds
0: you know it's amazing our history that uh well asbestos was a great part of our history <laughs> yeah and uh kind of so an unfortunate part of it <laughs> it is yeah. yeah I mean th- th- those those days are long behind us but so in terms of uh I've got my car I- I'm driving let's say a little Honda Civic and I decide to go with ceramic pads uh, I'm getting a pair of rotors because my rotors are scored they're ground down you know I've got down to my backing plate in other words, that brake pad material just kind of like the sole of your shoe wore out that lining is a wearable item and i'm getting ready to do my pads and my rotors talk to us about where we can get this installation wrong by way of the hardware all those mounting clips how important it is uh, is it to get that right that hardware that mounting uh clip well, assembly.
2: that is that is a good point and, and that's very very critical okay and there, there are actually different types of hardware too There's hardware for the caliper itself, and then there's hardware for the brake pads themselves, okay? And, you know, there's a little bit of overlap there between brake brake pad hardware and brake caliper hardware. Um, But it is critical that that hardware is addressed. It's either um, inspected and clean, thoroughly cleaned and lubricated properly if you're going to reuse it, or obviously if that hardware is damaged, if it's rusted or corroded or, um, you know, damaged in any way, then it should be replaced with new hardware, And uh, the reason that's critical is it prevents excessive movement and vibration of the brake pads and the brake caliber itself, okay? It allows everything to move properly without uh, any any excessive movement, which will cause vibration and ultimately lead to noise issues, noise complaints.
0: i got to share with you, Nelson, I tend to lose people uh, often. When I uh, use the analogy of blowing through a reeded instrument, like a... Like A an, flute? No, flute's not reeded. Like not a read clarinet. It. Like a clarinet. There are harmonics. There's vibration. That little Not everybody's
1: a musician, Frank. I know. I lost That's everybody. That's probably why you lose it.
0: They look at me. Just do my breaks Just and be quiet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what
0: you're saying... I'll, you lost me. I said a well, flute. I'll tell you what. Let's put it to you this way. You guys are listening and saying, okay, brake pads, hardware. I've never, nobody's ever said anything about hardware. Think of that mattress spring or that mattress sitting in its box, your furniture, Nice, comfy, and cozy. If that's off, kilter or not seated properly, what's gonna to happen to the mattress? You could have some noise, you are going to have some movement. It's not sitting in its seat. Right. Is that a good explanation,
2: yep. Nelson? Yeah, no, that that's great. And and actually you're right. I mean it's um noise is a result of excessive vibration of some sort in that brake system somewhere, okay? And it's critical also that all of those components in the brake system maintain proper alignment or proper geometry with one another, okay, so that uh, the movement that does occur is, is, is occurring accurately and cor- correctly and precisely. So it's when we get unwanted movement and excessive movement that ultimately leads to vibration and then noise, and, and that hardware helps to dampen and produce dampen that vibration and that movement and prevent excessive movement or movement in the wrong direction, so to speak, or in the wrong manner, so that we don't get that vibration and we don't get that noise.
0: I was trying to get the people to think of Miles Davis and their brakes. Miles Davis. There you go. Uh-huh. Well, so he was a trumpet player. I
1: have a question because I'm, we just got done talking about the ceramic brakes. Now, when I'm ordering parts for a vehicle and I see a semi-metallic brake pad, and it says it is the OE preferred, am I going to, if I use a ceramic pad in, in lieu of that semi-metallic, am I, am I modifying anything or am I jeopardizing? Because the customer doesn't, came in for noise. I want to make sure that there is no noise. And in your
0: mind, you're doing premium, right. ceramic, less dusting, quiet. That's a great question. Um, if it calls for semi-metallic, does it hurt to upgrade to ceramic?
2: That that is a great question actually. And I tell you, it uh nowadays it can be a little bit confusing, especially for uh a do-it yourself type person that works on his own car. But it can even be a little bit confusing, I think, for uh technicians and shop owners because the because there are are, are a lot of different types of of brake friction material out there, okay? And, you know, there's, there's advertising and promotion that goes along with all of this, uh, these different types of brake pads and, you know, I guess to some extent uh, some of it's hype even. Um, so what's important and what, what's most critical and most important is that you, you know, you use a quality brake pad, number one, and you use a quality brake pad that has specific friction material or vehicle application-specific friction material, in other words, what the OE manufacturer specified for that particular vehicle, whether it was semi-metallic, whether it was uh, ceramic, that you're using a, bra- a replacement brake pad that's compatible and is also has vehicle-specific friction material on it.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, we do find that there are some platforms still out there that, yeah, OE is semi-metallic, and uh, we'll explain that. And at the same time, if the complaint is, excessive dusting on those you know two thousand dollar set of rims we'll just let them know we can upgrade to a ceramic and uh, typically we're paying attention to brake rotors let's talk about that too i think this is important these are ceramic brake par- pads they are a harder brake pad aren't they does that require a difference in the brake rotor could we could we get into cutting up some rotors with ceramics if we don't have the right brake rotor because i believe they're harder brake pads aren't they
2: well, compared to semi-metallic, not necessarily.
0: Okay, semi-metallic is the harder one.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, yeah, there's going to be some trade-offs there. And, you know, in answer to uh, Susie's question, you know, would it hurt or would, would it be okay or acceptable to upgrade? So, yeah, in some cases you can do that. But remember, when you do that, you're also going to sacrifice something on the, on the other end, okay? So, for example... Um, If her car came equipped with the semi-metallic pads, if that's what the manufacturer specified for that particular type of vehicle, and she upgrades to uh, ceramic pads, for example, to um, lessen the chance of dusting the wheels, okay, um, then perhaps under certain conditions, that brake system on that car won't stop that car as effectively as it would if it had the semi-metallic pads on it. It's a
0: softer pad.
2: Wow. That, were, that it was specified for. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And, I, so and I think, I think
0: what you're saying, uh, Nelson, which is, which is awesome, don't take this lightly. There's a reason why engineers specified part applications, design. Co- uh, you know, we see stuff on the Internet. And we're like, oh, that's cheaper. Let's buy it there. Not always. Nice. Because it may not be
1: the exact fit
0: specification requirement. Does that
1: answer your question? That's a good point. Yeah, it does. It does. And I also got to take it a a step further. So uh, the other day we had a transit, uh, a Ford Ford Transit. Transit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it needed brakes. And so when I was talking to the extended warranty company, they were ensuring that all the bolts were replaced as well because they were saying that the bolts were a one-time use.
0: Yes. The top hat rotor style, um, some of you have that design. And so we'll speak on that, there are other parts to that brake system that, you know, perhaps if you're getting into calipers, maybe a good idea to get. Talk to us about that, Nelson, how important it is to get what needs to be replaced. Those are not reusable bolts.
2: Yeah, there are some vehicles out there, actually, that specify when you replace the caliper or the caliper bracket is removed from the vehicle, for example, to service the brake system on that car. Just like you said, those bolts are not reusable in some cases. So you always have to refer to the uh, vehicle manufacturer service information, okay, and, and look at the instructions and the details there, um, and, and the procedures there that are involved with, let's say, just replacing the brake pads and the rotors or the calipers on that particular vehicle. In yeah. some cases, the manufacturer may specify that uh, the caliper mounting bolts or the caliper bracket bolts are not reusable; they have to be replaced.
0: Yeah, that makes uh, just sense. Like you
2: mentioned on the uh, transit van.
0: I want you guys to get on to motorcarparts.com. It's a plethora resource of great uh, videos. It's part of their Part Smart educational program. It's always best to research. And I speak to a lot of you that are uh, sort of on the weekends doing your thing. Uh, You don't have to be fearful, but it's really about researching, get your homework right, and that way you can have uh, an easy peasy repair process and actually enjoy fixing your car. If you're an automotive service operator or technician, uh, you want to get on dot MotorCarParts.com. It's a great professional platform as well. Uh, they've added a ton of great Intense, actually. Intense, which you'd find on some of these uh, high-level training certification uh, programs. Uh, you can have all of that backing with the training that they have with those videos. Lots going under the hood. I always tell my people, Nelson, and I think this is fair, fixing cars is easy. Where it gets difficult is... Did we diagnose it right, and did we actually fix it? (laughs)
2: Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, I think. Yep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Um, So the hydraulics, let's get into, uh, Got uh, you know, someone may have a brake pedal that goes to the floor, and, you know, they're not seeing anything major leaking brake fluid at their wheels. The calipers look good. The wheel cylinders, if they have wheel cylinders, look good. But they've determined that they are seeing fluid right at the backside of that brake master cylinder, kissing up against the brake booster. We've had folks come into the garage where they've attempted to install that hydraulic brake master cylinder. And the brakes just felt really spongy or just didn't feel right. Where can we get it wrong when installing a brake master cylinder?
2: Well, the number one thing there is making sure that that master cylinder is bench-bled properly before it's installed on the vehicle. In the for
0: those way. that don't know, what is bench-bleeding?
2: Well, it, it's a process that involves removing the air from the master cylinder since that thing's just been sitting on a shelf for a while. Uh, and it hasn't had any fluid in it. Um, there's, a, there's, there's quite a bit of air that's trapped within that master cylinder's bore, um, and that air has to be removed before the master cylinder is actually installed on the vehicle. So really it involves, you know, a process, and there are different methods for bench bleeding master cylinders, but it's a, a process that involves mounting it typically in a vise and then filling it with uh, the correct brake fluid for that vehicle, uh, fresh brake fluid out of a sealed container that's, uh, you know, correct for that particular vehicle that they're working on. And then uh, using a process, uh, which can be fairly simple, and, again, there are different methods for doing it, but using a process to remove that air out of that master cylinder's bore and to get it completely free of air before it's actually even installed on the vehicle in the first place.
0: So it's that air pocket that, that may be circulating through the system that's causing a, a funky pedal that would feel uh, doesn't have quite the pedal height or it feels spongy if we don't get that air out.
2: Exactly. Okay, so the air is not compressible like, like the fluid itself is, and you end up losing a lot of your pedal travel, Uh, If there's air trapped within the master cylinder itself or in the brake system anywhere, you end up losing a lot of your pedal travel because you're compressing that air instead of just pushing the fluid throughout the hydraulic part of the brake system.
0: It's critical to get yeah, it, it right. Um,
2: it's one, extremely one, critical, yes.
0: One thing, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's a standard of what we're seeing, but I know with our peers uh, on the other side of the Mississippi, uh, in some of the oxidized rust belt <laughs> areas, a brake job is a pretty big to-do because everything is rusted and everything breaks. We're spoiled here in the desert. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of rust on on these vehicles. In fact, my guys have to go through therapy if they deal with a car that has (laughs) rust. That's the truth of it. Uh, But I think that one would agree when they're looking at their brake system, certainly from these rusted oxidized areas of the country, they may be into it for more than just face value. And I think that's the proper planning. So in other words, if you have a brake squeak and you're saying, well, I need pads, I'm going to do my rotors. Well, do the job right. Maybe you need brake lines because uh, they're collapsing internally. Maybe you need those brake calipers because then there you're going to have additional – you may have a nice quiet car now. It's not squeaking, but now that pedal starts to fade. You didn't have that prior. I, I think I'm speaking to those of you that that can get it. Uh, again, uh, please don't show up on this side of the Mississippi uh, with your – it's <laughs> <laughs> really. Uh, Nelson, uh, this is the truth of it. We don't work on a whole lot of rusty stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're spoiled.
2: (laughs) It is an issue, though. You're right. It's absolutely an issue in uh, probably most parts of the country, really, not just the Midwest, although it's certainly worse there. Um, The thing about brakes, really, I guess, you know, when it comes to servicing the brake system on a car, most people will tell you that it's, for the most part, a fairly simple process, a fairly simple repair compared to a lot of other things on cars, right? Uh, it's fairly easy to do. A lot of do-it-yourselfers can do it, and certainly, you know, shops make a lot of money uh, repairing brake brake problems on their customers' vehicles. But the thing about brake service that I've always found critical and important is that you really, really have to pay attention to all the details, okay? You can't overlook anything. You can't shortcut anything. you really got to pay attention to all the little small things, the rust, the corrosion. you got to make sure things are... Properly lubricated and lubricated with the correct type of lubricant. Uh, bolts are torqued down to proper specifications. Uh, things like that. Even even a, a proper seating in of the brake pads after you have finished the brake job on a car is important. So it's really it's all the little details that make the difference uh, in doing just a you know a, um, a simple brake job. Taking a simple brake job and, and, and causing problems or causing issues versus. Uh, you know, you you take you, you take care and you pay attention to all those details and you look at all those little things and you you do the job carefully and thoroughly and then you end up with really a professional break job that doesn't have problems. There's attention no, no, to detail is yeah. no
0: critical. You know, I tell our squad, our team, you know, attention to detail. It's the same like getting on the battlefield. Can you please make sure that you have ammo in your weapon right now? We're we're at battle. In other words, did you research? <laughs> Um, did we get all the parts we needed to do the job right? Did we probe for the right symptoms? I mean, is, yeah. we see this, Susie, a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. we do. But I'm going to take it another step further because I have old cars, old school. So I get to push a pedal for my emergency brake. I get to pull a lever for my emergency brake. But now I'm more, I'm seeing more and more there's electric brakes. Well, the e-brake right the e-brake
0: yeah well, explain to folks yeah, that may they may get into the rear brakes and then they discover something holy cow what is that thing that caliper it doesn't yeah. push in with a standard c-clamp or what have you talk to us about the rear brakes and what someone may run into regarding an electrical or electronic i should say is
1: electronic yeah
0: uh somewhat computer controlled caliper talk to us on that
2: yeah sure that's you know we're seeing more and more of that all the time with electric parking brakes as you mentioned uh Uh, on vehicles. So there's a small little electric motor on on many vehicles that's actually attached to that brake caliper, and its purpose really is to activate that caliper electronically uh, through this little motor um, to activate the parking brake on the vehicle. when When you park it and you shut it off, so instead of pushing down on a pedal or pulling up on a lever, as Susie mentioned, you'll typically just push a button of some sort, and that will Uh, Send a signal to a computer, and that computer will then command that motor to actuate that caliper and lock the the parking brake or emergency brake on the vehicle. So, when it comes time to service the vehicle, as you mentioned, uh, if if somebody's not familiar with that type of a system and they pull that caliper off there and they look at it, they're like, holy mackerel, this thing's got an electric motor on it, you know, and they may be. thinking that uh, just like in the past they would push that piston in with a c-clamp or a, a special oh. uh, depressor tool that's a bad oh, day no. in your driveway
0: yeah that's a bad day in your driveway because now what happens is you y- y- you almost need it's all computer control commanded mm-hmm. right and and he, i, I can feel uh for someone in their driveway who has got everything tore apart oh, no and it's like oh gosh what do i do and and uh well, maybe they're calling a mobile call, mechanic. I call, don't know
1: what they're the doing. MPA's tech support. Yeah, yeah. well, they'll
0: really? just tell you you're going to yeah, have to get a go. scan tool. Really goes,
2: I think it goes back to what you are saying. That, uh, you know, it's important that people research and, and and look at the vehicle service information whenever they get in there and they, they're attempting to repair something that they're not familiar with or they don't have a, a good understanding of. A little bit of research and, you know, uh, looking at the vehicle service information can go a long ways towards uh, – helping them to properly repair the vehicle whether that's a do-it-yourself or a professional technician either way
0: absolutely and and i invite you guys uh get on to motor parts uh actually motorcarparts.com but 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 also here locally or hey nationally if you want to call us 480-726-6400 you don't have to come in our garage to spend money if you're under hood we support that all day long we get dozens of those calls uh a month a week sometimes it seems uh Right around tax season, some of you are trying to fix your stuff. Hey, we want to make sure you're good. And you know, as Nelson said, it is really preparation, especially, especially if you have a newer vehicle. And I speak to all of you, Uncle Louis, that have been wrenching in your backyards for 30 years. You're like, I got this. Well, you may not. Um, and so it's best to just prepare. And if you if you don't have that information, uh, whether you go on to motorcarparts.com or give us a call, we want to help. Nelson, this uh, this is the kind of show that uh, could be a long. We could we could keep
1: going and going. I learned a lot. I know you actually. I well, think yeah. I am a master certified service writer now because of you, Nelson. You are. I am. thank you, Frank. Yes. Yeah. Nice.
2: See, see what you did, Mr. Nelson. <laughs> 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 no, I can I can talk for days about cars. Of course.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, we hope to meet you someday soon when we get back to some some normalcy at these uh, expo events. For now, we've got Zoomitis, and we're. We're online doing our <laughs> thing, I guess. But uh, I hear you. An honor to have you on. If you are in the Chandler, Arizona area outside of Phoenix, man, our shop is your shop. Our home is your home. And we got the best coffee out of a Keurig, a cup waiting for you. Thank you, Mr. Nelson Davis with uh, Motor Car Parts of America. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, if I'm ever in that area, I'll make it a point to stop by for sure. Yay. Please please do,
0: Yeah. You know, I got a lot of respect for uh, not only the sort of uh, technician that's acquired the master certs and L1, which is advanced drivability, but the field instructor, the field trainer, the guy, and we've had him in the garage, who comes out, hey, how are you guys doing? By the way, here's these service bulletins. There, There are certain things you need to know about these parts that have changed, updated designs. And so you guys know, I'll have you know, we add a couple of hundred thousand pages to our software at least twice a year about the new data, new flow charts, new specifications to these vehicles we work on. So mm-hmm. most good garages are going to have that, that system uh, dialed in. Boy, it is a quick show. I got one more reminder. A lot of you need scholarships. 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 The money's there. TechForce Foundation. TechForce.org. Get on there. There's some scholarships, people. You're an upcoming wrench. Mechanic, technician, welder, techforce.org. Get onto that website and, and make your uh, dreams come true. Make your dreams come true. Hey, build that $200 <laughs> car. It's all good. Man, good show, Susie. anyways Frank, Right always on. fun. Love to hang with you guys. As I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic. I'm made of plastic.